Hello friends, welcome to the show. On today's episode, we caught up with John Jagir. He and his brother Carl are the owners of Matchbook Wines. They also have The Arsonist and Black Station. Uh, They just put out a brand new wine called Pillars of Hercules. These wines are phenomenal. They're a really cool uh, family. They've got a rich history, a a great story about them. So we decided to have them on and kind of talk about where they come from in Dunnigan Hills. And we couldn't support these guys enough. We really hope that you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed doing it. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. How you doing? Hey, cheers, Anthony. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, John, pronounce your last name. I know it's like French-Canadian, and, you know, being a Canuck... Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough one. Jagir. Jagir, yeah. Jagir. All right. Well, Jagir. I'm glad Jagir. that he had you say it, because I was definitely going Geiger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll answer the Geiger. <laughs> we had a uh, there. There's a big uh, a sports player lives in the area, and he's a Geiger. I, I just thought that's what it was. But yeah. uh, he's a basketball player, and since you know you're uh, that French Canadian thing, that's that's more of a hockey thing. And you know, I was I was bo- <laughs> yeah, I was born in Canada, so I'm a hockey thing too. Um, yeah. Um. So hey, let's kind of go over. I mean, your wines are matchbook arsonist and this new one that i'm going kind of crazy for the pillars of hercules um yeah all great wines but john actually uh, before we dive there why don't you go ahead and tell us uh all the wines that are in your portfolio and your timeline because you've got a a wicked timeline yeah 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 we do um well first of all we've been doing this for uh slightly over 40 years um, in the same region, so we built up a reservoir of knowledge about what what works and what doesn't work here. Um, and uh, based on that knowledge, we've created these brands uh, around varietals. And so each brand specializes in certain varieties. Um, so the base brand, Matchbook, uh, we've got Chardonnay and Cabernet, Petit Sirah, Petit Bordeaux, and Malbec there. So that uh, uh, and that's that's the estate uh, brand. Then for, uh, branching off from there, we have Arsonist, which specializes in a, 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 a little more premium Chardonnay and a, uh, and a red blend uh, based on Petit Verdot. Uh So uh, Pillars of Hercules, you mentioned, uh, uh, is a, a red blend based on Petit Syrah and Petit Verdot blend. Uh, going from there, we have a New Zealand Sylvain Blanc we make. We, uh, we're partnering up with uh, Kim Crawford, not the winery, but the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked with him in, uh, in uh, uh, we both sold our companies to Vincor in Canada and uh, worked uh, for five years for that company. And that's how we got to know the Crawfords. When we got out, they helped us start this New Zealand brand called Chasing Venus. Um, and then we have uh, a brand dedicated to Spanish varietals grown in uh, California uh, called Tinto Rey. Uh, Tinto Rey means the Red King, and uh, it's a brand dedicated to Tempranillo. Uh, and Bordeaux, which is the, I'm told, is the number one white wine from Spain in terms of volume. Right. Uh, coming, out, coming out of a region called Rueda. Then... Um, 
then we have a uh, what we call our county wines black station uh, smaller brand that uh, focuses on uh, both uh, our estate fruit and fruit from uh, outside of our uh, estate vineyards uh, but all all in Yolo County um, I don't and then we have a, a brand called Mossback that is dedicated to our winemakers background he was the head winemaker at Deloach Vineyards for many years uh, 12 years I think and uh, when he came to help us start this company we wanted to to tap into his experience in the Russian River Valley. So uh, the brand was created around contracts and growers that he knew there. And so that still exists. So that's uh, that's basically the por- portfolio. That's a, well, there's so much to dive into. Uh, you, you just rattled off so many uh, uh, brands that are phenomenal and we do really well with that. You have a little Melbeck on that Black Station line that is, unbelievable yeah, and for crazy. the price it's yeah. unbelievable yeah. i mean it's uh yeah. it, it, i get so much cola from that wine i just i love it i i recommend it all the time um but i kind of want to dive into uh what got you into the the wine industry um i've heard a lot of stories i know you've got some kind of cool stories behind you um and and i'd like to hear about it yeah <clears throat> so um uh, go back in time to 1981 and uh, my brother and myself, my wife, uh, we've been out of college <clears throat> for, you know, maybe six years, seven years. Uh, st- uh, st- still young enough to uh, sink our teeth into a, uh, a good project. And uh, we, were, we came back and, and started farming on the family farm. Uh, and we were really looking for another crop. And this area was uh, really... Uh, underdeveloped uh, in the Dunnigan Hills, and nobody really developed water in the region, and uh, and so you know grapes take water. So we were basically a dry land grain uh, and sheep operation. We were in the sheep business, and uh, uh, to diversify, uh, uh, we had the influence of the University of California uh, at Davis, the enology school right there, and all the professors. And they really kind of got us uh, convinced that we could grow uh, premium quality grapes out there. It, we just have to have the right uh, clones, the right varietals uh, to make it all work. And and so uh, we planted Sauvignon Blanc and Chenin Blanc. Those are the two varieties that we planted first. Hmm. And uh, no one told us you couldn't sell Chenin Blanc. <laughs> so we, we struggled with that one for a while. Actually made really good wines. Um, but the public wasn't wasn't interested in, as a varietal. Um, so that's how, that was our start, 10 acres, and uh, uh, we were new to the business, and so we were like sponges, just learning everything we could. Uh, but we went outside of uh, you know our farming history and and uh, hired uh, you know professional people, uh, winemaker out of Davis, and and so we started building that company and and. Uh, so uh, uh, what was once uh, uh, fallow ground, uh, we converted to, to vineyards and we built up a, a big vineyard farming company. And, uh, and the, you know, we did enough things right with R.H. Phillips that it, it became a big brand. And then we, when we launched the Toasted Head in 1997, uh, the company really took off on a national basis. And we got national recognition with that 
with that product and uh we were off to the races uh and uh, that became a huge brand in 2000 um we were acquired by a canadian company uh, you know the uh, uh i guess the offer got uh, good enough that uh, we stopped saying no and we said yes <laughs> so we, we we became part of a uh, of a uh of a canadian wine company and, and we were charged with running uh, their operations in, in uh, the U.S. and they they had they were the largest Canadian wine company at the time, and uh, but they had no operations in the U.S. So they really wanted a, a, a company like ours to build their portfolio, and so that's that's what happened. But once we sold the company, we knew we were going to start over again. Uh, we were young enough uh, still to. Uh, um, uh, to have another go at it, and, and that's what Matchbook is—is uh, is our second venture. And uh, you know, we took the expertise we had developed, uh, you know, growing all these different varieties and clones and rootstocks from R.H. Phillips, and just moved it six miles away and started all over again. So I think we're in our like 17th year in this company, and uh, the company's based all on uh, estate fruit. Uh, we we grow. Uh, for the primary, you know, for the Dunning and Hills uh, Appalachian brands, uh, we grew 100% of that fruit. And uh, um, my brother, Carl, handles all the vineyard operations. He always has. And uh, uh, my wife and I uh, run the wine uh, business. And, you know, uh, family families working together is, uh, is difficult. Uh, two brothers uh, who both want to be the boss is very difficult. <laughs> And uh, we were able to work over 40 years together because we divided it up. Uh, so, you know, there's clear uh, uh, lines of, of that you don't cross. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's been a good, good relationship. It's, it's worked for that many years. Yeah, um, and I think just to let everybody know, I, Dunnigan Hills is not an appellation that probably everybody knows of. And just to let people know, this is a little uh, north west of Sacramento and I guess basically east of Napa, right? I mean, by, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's about 40 miles as, as the crow flies from Napa, but we're inland, so we're, we're warmer. <clears throat> but we're, we have proximity to the uh, California Delta region, and that uh, Delta region creates the cooling effect at night that, that you need to grow premium quality grapes. So we get you know, we get it like a 45 degree uh, swing in temperatures every day. Uh, uh, like, you know, and we can get warm temperatures. It was like mid nineties last night and got down to the low fifties uh, this morning. So um, it's a good, it's a good environment. Now, you know, uh, sometimes we get uh, inversions where we don't get that swing, but by and large, uh, um, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's the thing that really, makes the viticultural uh, viticulture tick here uh, you're talking about a diurnal shift that's almost like paso robles i mean that's a yeah that's a big swing it's big yep so yep. i would imagine you're probably doing a lot of your harvest at night correct or we do it all the time yeah everything oh. we do you know 40 years ago we started uh, that we wanted to be able to process cool fruit it's it, you know like it's like a tomato you bite into a tomato uh, when it's warm, doesn't taste very good. 
the flavors are kind of washed out. You bite into a tomato that's has a slight chill on it, tastes so much better. Well, we want to process our fruit when it tastes the best. And uh, so, you know, we get our temperatures down into to the mid fifties uh, when we when we harvest. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. I do want to ask also uh, the name. It's Matchbook. Uh, you've got arsonist. arsonist. There's something. There's something there. Clearly. Uh, what's the story <laughs> on that? Well, the story is uh, 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 boys on a big ranch uh, playing with matches, uh, and, and so fire was always uh, uh, something uh, that happened every summer here. Uh, and, and of course now you see uh, uh, you see the headlines. But uh, back then uh, it was always grass fires. We were my dad was in the wheat business, and, and so uh, you know guarding against fires was always uh, uh, a big deal. But no, my <clears throat> my brother and I would play with matches, and uh, we would uh, from time to time get into a little bit of trouble. Uh, um, <laughs> We burn a few things down. He, we burnt the uh, family house down to the ground. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, we laugh about it now. I'm sure it wasn't uh, a laughing matter at the time. But uh, yeah, you say that so uh, casually. How long were you grounded for? <laughs> no grounding. No. Oh. no. Sweet. No, no, they they didn't want to damage our psyche. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's where the fire store uh, story comes. We we had uh, uh, other uh, other things. We we were, we had a rocket club, and we'd launch rockets. You know, you'd put a match out and uh, have a uh, have a chemical, or you know, the rocket fuel mm-hmm. would be the fuse, and you light that thing up and send the rockets up. And a few of them exploded in the air and created a bunch of fires. <laughs> yeah, it just seemed like. Uh, uh, fire was part of our history and uh as you know you're like like a sixth generation right now right is that correct like of winemaking um going on yeah um we we're fifth and and uh greg jagir carl my brother's son is the sixth generation is the sixth generation so so the 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 family's still going to be involved in this project long after yeah, well, uh, yeah, there's uh, uh, currently two uh, family members of the next generation involved, and we're looking to see uh, uh, who we can recruit uh, uh, that wants to get involved in the in the business from the family side. So, yeah, so Greg is a trained viticulturist, got his degree at, uh, at Davis, so um, uh, he's got the pedigree to do it. He's, he uh, had the... Um, opportunity to work in Walla Walla in uh, growing Cabernet in Walla Walla on that premium um, uh, appellation and so uh, uh, he was able to bring that experience back back to us and uh, the plan of like do you have anything extra like anything new that you guys are coming out with have you have you talked about new varietals of all we we always you know we always ask everybody that because you know you always sometimes you're shocked you'll hear some things that you would have never thought of well I, uh, it, that's a very uh very uh, appropriate uh question because we just uh got out of a zoom call with all of our salespeople around the country uh talking about uh cabernet not that cabernet's new but um, 
just some of the different things that we're doing with Cabernet. So, um, we, of all the varieties we grow, even the Chardonnay, we have the most uh, diversity in clonal selections with that varietal, and um, and the selections really do um, create differences. And so, uh, the heritage clones uh, of Cabernet, we're looking to make small lot, uh, small batch. Uh, uh, single uh, single clonal selections out of that, and so with the uh, 2021 vintage, um, that program is going to get started. So, the Silverado clone, uh, the Tokalone uh, clone, and uh, the Engelman clone, all all three are heritage clones, and uh, uh, each one of those will have um, its own small uh, production uh, off in the future. Of course, you know it takes two or three years to get that in place. Yeah, and then um, just for our customers to know, like, you know, a lot of our customers, they fly into Sacramento instead of San Francisco if they want to get to wine country because sometimes that's just a little easier. If they wanted to come and visit you, are, is there an open tasting room? Is that something that you guys have? Oh, yeah. We have um, we have a beautiful tasting room uh, and with a huge patio, uh, and we have seating for... I think 100 and 150 people. Um, we have food trucks on the weekends. It's very active. Um, like I'm looking out at the patio right now, and there's there's a bunch of people sitting having lunch. Um, that's the advantage here is you can bring your own food uh, if there's not a food truck and uh, uh, buy a bottle of wine, sit on the patio and enjoy uh, uh, the view um, uh, overlooking uh, the Rioja clone of Tempranillo. Oh wow! I um I gotta tell you that was a big thing for me uh, having you on. Actually, um, I I've been a fan of your wines for a while, but uh, really what pushed it over the edge to reach out to get you onto the podcast was. There are uh, a lot of people, we've, we just brought in the, uh, the Pillars of Hercules, there are a lot of people going after it, and I've talked to several people who absolutely love your, uh, your tasting room, and have got to meet you guys, and I've heard nothing but fantastic things. People enjoy you, people enjoy the tasting room, the atmosphere that you guys have going on there, so uh, Perry and I talked about it, and we thought, you know, hell, let's, let's get them on and, and hear what they have to say. Yeah, well... Um... You know, when we built this this facility, uh, we, we had done the same thing at R.H. Phillips many years ago, and that was a beautiful tasting room, uh, but it was never something that was uh, expected to pay its way. Uh, it was really done for the trade, uh, for people, uh, 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 retail shops like yourself or, or uh, uh, distributors to visit. Uh, and we put this in. Uh, this one in uh, for the same reason. Uh, but this one's turned out to be uh, something that the uh, public has really embraced. And it's become a, a crown jewel of Yolo County. Uh, Yolo County is a very agricultural county. And so uh, we offer to the county a place to enjoy uh, agriculture, uh, sitting having a glass of wine. Because we're, 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 we're not located next to a town we're we're out by ourselves uh the road you come up with uh, up is a five mile road and there's only um two farms on that on that road uh and there's a big sheep ranch and so you come off of i-5 and all of a sudden you're in rural 
California. Most people think of California as Los Angeles or San Francisco or maybe Napa Valley, right? Right. Uh, but this is this looks more like rural America than than the images that people have of California. Are there uh, other than you guys? Who else is uh, making wine out of uh, out of Dunnegan Hills? I mean, are, are there a ton of producers out there? There's not. Um, there's a few, um, and then there's, uh, 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 more, more vineyards than winemakers. Uh, but if you look at the county in total, um, there's a lot of, uh, wine producers and most of the, most of the wine production area got started in Clarksburg. Uh, it's called the Delta region. Right. That's where, that's where Bogle is from. Uh, there's, but there's a, there's, there's probably 30 wineries, uh, uh, located in that region. Up here, a fewer. Now, uh, there's a little tiny town um, which has become the wine town of western Yolo County. And it's called Winters, uh, and it's on on the uh, road going over to Lake Berryessa and then Napa. And that, so if, if if somebody came to our tasting room headed for Napa, that's the way we would direct them because it's a beautiful drive through um, uh, California's uh, back country. And uh, we send people that way all the time. And it's a bumpy road. It's got Lake Berryessa, a huge lake right there. You pass and, uh, and it drops down. You can either drop down uh, uh, onto the Silverado Trail where the Silverado Country Club is at, mm-hmm. or you can go more up valley and you go by Lake Hennessy. Um, so both just beautiful drives. And so, um, um, yeah, a lot of people do that. So I do want to uh, kind of switch gears here, and I want to talk about uh, the Pillars of Hercules. We just brought it in. Uh, are, is this the inaugural vintage, uh, yep. number one? Um, yep. It's a... It's a stunning wine. Smooth. It's silky. It's big. Good fruit. And yeah, I, yeah. It's, just, it's got everything that a that a customer's looking for. And I love uh excuse me, I don't have the uh the tech sheet in front of me, but I I do remember, I don't remember exactly what the grapes are, but I do remember there's Petite Sirah in it, but even more than that, there's Terraldego in that. And that's that's a big thing for me. I'm a huge fan of Terraldego and not a lot of people in California are growing it. Yeah. Um, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know how many acres, uh, they are, but, uh, there are, but I bet you, we probably have 20% of the, <laughs> uh, the state's production of that. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take much, right? No. Um, no. yeah, but the, the, the heart of, uh, of, uh, the pillars of Hercules is the, uh, uh, is the Petit Syrah, Petit Verdot blend, uh, both kind of adding different, uh, uh, elements to the wine and um, but uh, our, our mantra on that wine is always you know smoothness mouthfeel and uh, we work really hard on that and um, um, so we're always trying to figure out how to kind of round off the edges of, of the wine because both varieties are, are pretty tannic varieties and um, so there's a learning curve uh, uh, with both varieties in terms of, you know, how much tannin load can you put on that wine and, and still have them, uh, have the wine soft and lush on the palate. Right. And, uh, I think, I think this, uh, that inaugural vintage, we did a pretty good job of, of rounding it out and 
uh, and <clears throat> making it a, a, enjoyable uh, from the mouthfeel perspective. And, you know, John, that, that Matchbook Petit Verdot is a crazy great bottle of wine. I think, yeah. I, I remember we were out to dinner one night, and we saw it on a menu, and, and I don't think we knew anything about it. And we ordered it, and we were like, whoa, let's bring it. And, you know, within, I think, three days later, we had a stacker of it in the store. I mean, it's just a great bottle of wine. Yeah, and, and um, uh, this one I do know. We grow 7% of the Petit Verdot in, the, in uh, California. In wow. the whole state, we have seven percent. You know, and and to, to your uh, uh, guess, um, that doesn't sound like much. Seven percent? No, that's under two. Yeah. But you know, uh, consider most brands, uh, big brands, mm-hmm. represent small percentages of the overall wine business. I, I'm just pulling a number out, but mm-hmm. Kendall Jackson probably only represents two and a half percent, two percent. Uh, of the wine business in California, and uh, and so you get any percentage like seven percent is a big number. Seven percent is uh, massive, actually. And are you selling? Yeah. Are you selling some of this off to other people, or are you oh, using yeah. it for yourself? Oh, yeah. yeah, you are. No, no, we we sell it off. Uh, uh, Bogle is a, a big customer of ours. Uh-huh. Uh, so so how we're structured? We we own seventeen hundred acres of grapes, and. Um, of that, only about 400 come into the winery. The rest is sold to other people. And we do business with, uh, we've done Camus and, and uh, uh, you know, just a whole nut, uh, bunch. Uh, bunch of people. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I think a little bit of, of our petite uh, Syrah goes into uh, uh, Prisoner. If, uh, they, they buy some from us. So, so it's a... It's a we, we have good customers, but our number one customer is uh, Bogle Wine. So we really have kind of two businesses, the uh, the business of growing grapes for other people and then uh, and then making wine from our estate vineyards uh, for Matchbook and other brands. Has, has, are you already starting Harvest? Are you in full swing right now? Oh, no. We normally start September 1st. Uh-huh. This year is going to be early because of how much heat we've we've had. Right. Um, this is this has got to be the hottest hottest year on record. I would I would assume. Oh, Lord. And um, uh, so we're actually starting uh, tomorrow. Um, uh, it, it's it's a very um, uh, we're trying to create uh, a, a new product, a, a low alcohol chardonnay. Um, we're trying to create a, a, a Chardonnay that's, uh, that's because uh, we, we have demand in our tasting room. People want uh, a, a low alcohol option. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're only picking five tons of fruit. And, and uh, uh, so it's a tasting room only product that we're uh, uh, creating uh, to meet that need. So, you know, high quality Chardonnay, it's a Dijon clone of Chardonnay that we're picking. Uh, but we're instead of picking it at 24 and a half bricks up to 25 bricks, uh, this is getting picked at uh, 21. Oh wow! Uh, tw- 20 and a half to 21. So it's it's like Sauvignon Blanc, uh, right? Uh, and it'll be higher acid for sure. Uh, sure. But uh, uh, but it it, uh, it addresses a a demand that uh, uh, you know some people just especially when you're sitting on the patio for lunch. It'd be nice to have a, a lower alcohol uh, option. So if you're you're going at 21 bricks, you're probably uh, you're, you're looking to be between 12 and 13 percent alcohol. Is that right? 
Oh, uh, lower than that. Even we're, lower? We're, uh, um, we're, we're going to, this product will, uh, uh, ultimately, we'll get it to, uh, down to about 11 and a half. Oh, wow. That's our goal. Wow, that's and great. And, and, the, and the trick is, how do you get 11 and a half percent wine to uh, taste very good? Um, because, you know, the, the flavors come out with uh, higher maturities. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we picked a, a Dijon clone that gets flavor earlier on in its ripeness. And we normally pick this clone uh, of uh, Chardonnay, uh, you know, uh, less ripe than, say, the Winty clones that we have or, you know, the Robert Young clone or all the other clones that we have with Chardonnay. Uh, th- this we has, have historically picked, uh, you know, like a 23. So it's not that much different, but, uh, 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 you know, it's a little bit of a test for us. Uh, uh, we're just inter- interested to see if, if we can create that. Because uh, there's a real demand out there. You must see it in your, your shop, people wanting uh, a lower alcohol option absolutely from me specifically i like lower alcohol wines it is unbelievably hot in florida i don't drive into those big alcohol wines at all ever uh i tend to drink uh, a lot on the lighter side of things uh i'm I'm very seasonal with the way i drink in general but uh i i shoot for lower alcohol things and it's you're right it is a trend i'm starting to see it a lot a perry i'm i'm sure you're seeing a ton of it yeah and you know i I like the vino verdes of the world and the pick pool you know, so and they all fit into that kind of range. Uh, I, my, yep. uh, I'm just intrigued. Will will this be put in oak, or will you do the stainless steel, or you know, will, will there be mallow? Well, uh, um, uh, this will be um, in neutral barrels. So these are going to mm. be five, six year old barrels because we're not trying to put oak on it. But right. um, uh, uh, you know, we don't have a a. a Five tons is a pretty small vessel. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and so it, it's going to be better for us just to barrel barrel for a minute. Um, so, but it'll it'll have it won't have any oak influence, but it'll it'll be you know the the, the barrel fermentation will give it a little more body, but okay. it's still going to be a lean product because of the uh, high acid. All right, John, we got your number, so when that uh, we're going to be watching for that uh, at the winery. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bugging Ryan every day. Ryan, I, I need that low alcohol Chardonnay. Just send me a bottle. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to sell it. Just send me a bottle. I want to try it. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it, might, it might come out. It might turn out to be our uh, most important Chardonnay in the future. Who knows? Well, it, it definitely has uh, my attention. It, it doesn't, yeah. it, it, the way you're describing it, it doesn't quite sound Chablis. Esque, but it kind of like that make on a Chuse that you know, kind of that high acid level, yeah. all, you know. So. I, that's a Chardonnay yeah. for me. I'm not a big uh, uh, California Chard guy with those big oaky, buttery uh, influences. I, I like a really clean expression of Chardonnay, and it sounds like that's where you're headed towards. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what this style is going to be, and um, um, I'm very interested to see how that Dijon clone. Um, performs at a, a lower bricks if 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 the flavor will be diminished because mm-hmm. it's not fully ripe or is there enough flavor uh, that maybe you sacrifice a little bit of, of flavor but you're getting higher acids and you're getting you know you're just getting a different uh, style of chardonnay out of this 
Well, very, I got to tell you, yeah. I'm excited about so, same it. Same here. I'm very yeah. excited about everything that you guys are doing. Um, I've been a big fan of, of that matchbook line for a long time. Uh, everything about it's great. Again, that Black Station Melbeck is, is one of my favorites for a, a very inexpensive, beautiful expression of Melbeck. It crushes. The arsonist wines are wonderful. And, arsonist you know, is great. So well for years. But uh, we're going to probably uh, start pulling on Ryan's coattails and getting him in here to do a tasting here soon or have the vendors come go. in. Yeah. Um, put, but, him, put, him, put him to work. Oh, man. <laughs> he's, he's a good kid. We really love him. He's a, he's a great guy. Um, but, hey, yeah. we're going to come out and bug you, though, John. We'll be out there soon. We'll, uh, we'll knock on the door and uh, maybe have a picnic out back there. But, uh, yeah. John, and I'm going to say it. Here it goes. Chagir. Uh, you nailed it. All Perfect. right, John Gear. <laughs> yeah. Okay, again, matchbook. Uh, we, uh, you know, Black Station, Mossback, uh, Arsonist, and uh, Pillars of Hercules. Uh, thank you again for all your time. We appreciate it. Have a great harvest, and thanks again. And there you have it, John Jagir Matchbook Wines. All of these wines are absolutely phenomenal. And if you are listening to us inside of the United States, we do ship to you. All of these wines are available right now on the website, edsfinewines.com. You can search anything that we talked about on the episode today and it will show up. I hope that you enjoyed the episode and we will see you soon. Cheers.